Hey, I'm glad that you said that. Good boy. Got you covered. I noticed because it was like in red and it looked, it had like too much text. Wow. Too, so I was like, And then, like, after, like, like about 15, 10 minutes, then that's usually when we're like, okay, we're good. Cool. And then I ask the question, or so you guys can ask, I don't care. Uh, like, this podcast is called I Dare You, so it's something you would dare our viewers. I and probably won't like, do any talking, I'm not going to lie. I'll, like, do a little bit of talking. I'm mostly just here because I want to hear from her. She sounds cool. A ghostwriter? Like, who knows what she's written? If you guys, I mean, I don't, I don't really don't because I don't like reading. So I yeah, love to read. What are you yeah. talking about? So you should probably, yeah, you can probably. And if you I want a question, I have books, some. I didn't realize yeah. it. What are question. some of her books? She's a ghost writer. You can't, can't, can't she not tell? What? Yeah, she can't tell. Ask right? her. She's worked with Steve Jobs. Jamie said. Wow. She went to France. Does she know French? No. Do you speak she does, French? She dances in her underpants. <laughs> Do you dance in your underpants? <laughs> oh, you should ask her. She'll answer you. <laughs> Do you I wonder why she's not. Do you speak on. French? See, uh, me? Hey, hey. Okay. I don't know how to say it. What? I used to know how to say a phrase in French. Oh. It was literally the stupidest thing. But I, I learned a phrase in French that I would never use because the phrase was literally, I have mental problems. <laughs> but for some reason, it was like really easy to learn. And so I learned it. And then I was like, I don't know why I did that. If you guys want to talk at any point, do not hesitate to reach for the mic. Okay. I'll just I go. Sh- I feel like it's <laughs> literally just <laughs> fancy. Like she just gives us such a thing. Just like put it up to you. And it's fun. And it was working yeah. so nicely once I got it to work for the like. I Let's play it. Yeah, and then it didn't get. I didn't do it. Huh. The game kept crashing. The video wouldn't record for longer than ten minutes. The controls were wonky. Like here was a door. I'd be right here to open the door, and it wouldn't let me open the door. But when I stepped back here and say the door is the table, it would let me open the door. Yeah. I was like, and there was like this puzzle in a library where you had to like move stuff, and it wouldn't let me move anything. I was like, how am I supposed to solve the puzzle if you won't let me move stuff? And then, it, like, one of the hints was follow the red wire. The red wire literally went in a loop. So it's like, yeah, how does that help me? Hey. I'm going in a circle. I think we go. Well, I'm going to send you the link again, Uh-oh. just in case. Here we go again. I'm going to put you on speaker. Try this mic. You might come handy now. She's... Uh, trying through safari to open her link and she says it tells her the web address is not there hmm. yeah it just keeps saying it's not I'm so let me try it again you're sending me another link mm-hmm. are you trying to do a zoom yeah do you have like the zoom app by any chance like on no, your... i don't i've done this with a friend of mine in england but i was Click the link and it connects. I haven't downloaded the app. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm going in to try to get this. Okay. Have you sent me? Have you? Did you resend me the link, Amy? I'm doing it right now. Okay. And we're still going to Lorna Gentry rights, right? Yeah. 
All right, I just sent it. It doesn't have a subject, but it left. I look very blonde in this so light. I cannot open the page because the address is invalid. What the? Do you have uh, any other web applications besides Safari? Like I said, I'm trying to get into my desktop computer now. This little robe. I can't reach it. I'm in, his head. I'm in his ear. I'm petting in between his ear. I'm trying, his to, eyes. I'm trying to go down. Oh, hold on. Does this look like a, an illusion? I'm poking at his nose. I'm going to poke him in the eye. Going on just Zoom. Whoa. He's eating your hand. Just a prank, guys. <laughs> can you like share something directly from the Zoom? Like just send her a new link. And you she guys have, I mean, I'm assuming you guys have. You have an account, right? You spent it. I do because I created it. Yeah, and I mean, we're right. actually even. We already started it, and we're on. Yeah. And trying to do anything in this. Oh, cool! You can't tell that I have a bandage up. I have. Well, you can because I can't bend my thumb. I like the way the camera makes my hands look. Just I'm thought sorry, I'd say that. I'm not white compared to yours. Like, I'm not, but I'm doing everything. I'm not, 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 I
Okay, let me try one of these numbers and let's see what happens. I'm hanging up on you now. Okie dokes. <laughs> what what state did you say she lived in? She lives in Oregon. So Oregon. She lives in Salem, Oregon. Ooh, fancy. And she was near the fires, wildfires. Yeah, no, didn't I show you the picture yeah. of her house? So could we ask her about that? How do you do that? Oh, never mind. Wait, how do you do it? It makes it look much cooler on camera. How do you do it? How do you, how you go so fast? Oh, I used to do it as I ran. Yeah, it said something about a waiting room. Hello, hello. Wow. Well, I'm connected in, I think, but I'm not seeing you, so I'm trying to figure out what I need to do to get the image brought up. Can you see me? We can just see the phone, like a phone symbol. <laughs> so well, That's very handy. She may not get to because she's dialing in, not calling in over the internet. Yeah, we may not see you because since you're calling in. I don't know if she can hear you because the microphone. Oh, did you hear? Did you hear Amy? No. What did she say? She said we may not see you or be able to see you because you're calling in from your phone. But we can. We can but we can hear you. Well, I'm sorry. This is so fouled up. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I am trying one other thing. I, I'm trying to get into my desktop, which I don't know if that's going to work or not. Well, as long as we can hear you. It won't be any different, will it? Hey, happy birthday. I love you. I love you, too. And in all honesty, you guys may be better off that you can't see me. Count your lucky stars. <laughs> so can you see us or? No, no. Okay. It, this is just like talking on the phone. Oh. Um, again, I have no idea what the heck is the matter here. Okay. Uh, I'm sure it's something I'm not doing right, but <laughs> I have a limited, <laughs> Thanks. you know, limited set of experiences here. Oh, like I said, you know, the only person I've done Zoom with is my friend who she initiates it and, and it comes from England. So I don't know if oh, that okay. makes any difference. It may not, but I'm not. And I'm not having my. Yeah, that's fine. We can just do the interview like this if that's okay. Okay, sorry about that. But as I said, may have worked out as a bonus for you guys. You don't have to look at me. So <laughs> you, this is the this is the ambassadors group, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so and this is. Uh, did you guys have a have an agenda of things you wanted to talk about today? Um, yeah, we're we. If you're okay, we can like start the interview. Sure. Okay. Sure. No, no, sorry, it's okay. <laughs> Hi, welcome to I Dare You, the podcast where we encourage you to make positive decisions. My name is Grace, and I'm Caitlin, and I'm Reagan. Hi, Grace. Grace, <laughs> Caitlin, Reagan. Um, and we have special guest Lorna Gentry today. And before we get started, I want to wish you a happy birthday as well. Happy birthday from all three of well, us. Thank you. So, <laughs> um, so That's very kind. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? 
Okay. Well, I'm, um, I'm, you know, I'm Lorna Gentry. I'm, a, I'm originally from Indiana. Uh, today, I just turned 67 years old. Um, I am, or I was a writer. Uh, I still am a writer, but I am not doing that professionally any longer. Uh, I didn't study to be a writer. I actually um, did my bachelor's work at Ball State University, and I did that in education, and then I did a master's at Indiana University in classical archaeology, and uh, pursued archaeology for a period of years, did some excavation work in Europe and back here in the United States, and then I started writing, and that's what I did for 20-some years. And I'm married, no children, two dogs. That's kind of the fast profile of Lorna. So you worked as a ghostwriter, is that correct? That's correct. So can you tell us about what it was like for you putting out your putting your work out there, but not having your name necessarily available for everyone to see that it was yours? Yeah, I can tell you. Um, I really enjoyed that job. Uh, I mean, in all honesty, a lot of times I didn't find the subject matter all that engaging because most of the books that I ghost wrote were business books where, you know, somebody who had a great business idea and wanted to get it published and there was a publisher who wanted to put it out there, but the person just didn't know how to write. So he or she would hire me or the publisher would hire me and I would write it. And a lot of people, the first reaction they have is, oh, but, you know, um, that's not right. You're writing somebody else puts their name on it or uh, wasn't that, didn't that make you feel a little uncomfortable that other people's name was on work that you wrote? But in all honesty, I viewed it a lot like uh, the work that, um, you know, if if somebody takes a book and they translate it to the screen, it has to be written as a screenplay. Or, um, you know, there's a lot of work that we do where you have some people contribute their expertise in one area, and that requires the expertise of some other person to put that out and make it readily available and interesting and useful to the audience. So I was always happy to do that. And I will tell you this, it always made me feel really good when somebody who had been struggling to get their ideas out, to get their message out, uh, and had been unsuccessful at doing that, when they suddenly were able to get those books out, you know, get them out in front of the public. And often the books were met with, you know, people liked them and they were really useful. And the people who hired me got a lot of acclaim for that. And that made me feel good because uh, I was able to... um, help that person do something that they weren't able to do. And it in turn made something that was valuable to a whole audience full of people. It was valuable to the person I worked for and it was valuable to the readers as well. So I, I really didn't have any problem with it. I enjoyed it. um, How did you get into that? Like, how did you get into ghostwriting? Well, um, I had been pursuing a job in as a museum exhibition specialist, uh, putting together exhibitions of archaeological material for the general public. Uh, And it was really a lot of what I ended up doing as a writer. I was I felt like archaeologists 
were always, they had a lot of trouble delivering their message about what they had found, the information that they had uh, had uncovered in their work to the general public. And in most cases, the general public is kind of funding that work because it's done by a university or whatever. And this was back before there were all of these shows that there are on television right now where people are basically translating archaeological work for the general public. But at that time, we entered a recession. The museums weren't hiring. They all were wanting me to do volunteer work. And I had to support myself because I was a sole income earner. And so I saw an advertisement from a publishing company in Indianapolis that they were looking for writers. And I had always... I written a lot just personally. I worked, I always kept journals when I was in school. I wrote in my journals every day. I had begun writing poetry when I was a little girl. I really loved writing. And I thought, well, you know, uh, I need work. So I'm just going to go see about doing this. And it was a company that published computer books, which I didn't have a computer. I didn't care about computer technology. This was back in the very early nineties. Um, and, but I needed a job. So I, I got this job and I found that I loved it. It was such a challenge to take this information, which was very dry and difficult because at that time, computer programs were not intuitive the way they are now. That's why they had to publish huge books to tell people how to use computer programs. And I was just transfixed with it. I thought it was such a challenge. It was like working a puzzle. And I started out doing basic copy editing and, you know, sort of really just fixing up things that had already been written. But I, I was able to progress pretty quickly and start doing a lot of the writing in-house. I was working for Macmillan Publishing. And um, I made a lot of contacts with a lot of writer, uh, a lot of content producers and a lot of... Um, publish other publishing companies. And so the demand was there that I realized I didn't have to continue working at that company. I could go freelance and just be hired individually, either by other publishing companies or my old publishing company or by the authors themselves. And so that's what I did because really what I wanted to do was have a job where I didn't have people telling me what to do all the time and watching me over my shoulder so it worked out that I was able to go freelance and, and do that work on my own. But it all started because I just needed a job and Macmillan Computer Publishing was hiring. Did you have a question? Yeah. So you say you've been involved with a lot of um, archaeological stuff. What is your favorite archaeological dig that you've been involved with? Oh, I can tell you that. Um, that was an excavation at, uh, near a town called Leiden in Holland. And it was a, a site that had been built by the Romans. It was there at the, t it was the furthest North the Romans had expanded at that time. And it was near the Rhine river, which flowed in that area at that time. And of course, Holland is basically almost all under sea level. And so all of the material that was at this site, which had been first built by the Romans, and then it was occupied by a medieval uh, town. The material was all very well preserved because it was in wet clay. And so I excavated Roman sandals. I excavated wooden posts that had, you could still see the tool marks. 
I found that excavation to be fascinating because the material was so well preserved and you could see uh, the I excavated big fishing nets and, and traps that they had built in place. And I just felt it, I felt so close to them. I mean, I'd excavated Roman material before, uh, but it was usually just metal or pottery. But this, I got actual like organic material. As I said, you, we excavated uh, food scraps. I mean, you just wouldn't believe the things that had been preserved in this wet clay. And I would say that was probably my favorite excavation because the, it was the only one where I was able to excavate ancient organic material. Um, so you've been involved with a lot of different things from archaeology to writing and all kinds of stuff. What is a certain project that you are most proud of? I think the thing I am most proud of is a book that I was the ghostwriter. I, I was not credited as the writer, but it was a book about uh, principled leadership. And the man who had this, he had put together this whole kind of perspective on what a good leader does. And lots of business people do that. But mostly to tell you the truth, it's just junk. You know, it's just stuff that everybody knows. You know, be honest. Uh, be consistent, uh, share responsibility and share credit. Those are things that everybody knows about leadership. But this guy really had developed a really deep concept about how you lead a group in a principled manner and how you bring your entire organization forward and into success with you. And he was not just putting together a bunch of bull that he thought he could sell a book. He, he It was a really good uh perspective. Really, he had a lot of good ideas and information, but he was a really, really scattered, disorganized. The material was just almost useless. And I worked really closely with him and I kind of came up with everything from the titling his work to helping him organize it and think through concepts and really come up with, with more solid, um, foundations for some of the ideas he was putting forward. And I was really proud of that book. Um, and I would say maybe just equally, I'll, I'll do this quickly. I did a couple of books with a man named Hartmut Esslinger, who was the, he worked with Steve Jobs. He was the designer who came up. He started a studio in Germany called Frog Design, and he helped come up with what Steve Jobs called at the time the snow white design principle, which was that minimalist white, everything the same color and very sleek and unfussy design that that Apple sort of introduced for its computers, but also for all of its all of its products. And the man I worked with helped come up with that design. And I wrote three books with him. One of them was uh, really contained a lot of the biography of his life. And um, I really enjoyed those. And I was proud of those projects because he liked my work and he, I considered him to be an incredibly talented, incredibly intelligent guy. But he was German. And a lot of the reason he needed 
a ghostwriter was because he wasn't as good at putting together his information effectively in English. Even though he spoke English fluently, he just couldn't write in English. And so I didn't uh, contribute a lot to the concept of those books, but I was able to craft them in a way that he really liked them. And that made me feel very proud. I was proud that he liked my work. Um, so you have achieved a lot in your life, it sounds. So um, to anyone watching <laughs> that lives in a small town or feels like they couldn't be able to achieve those things themselves, do you have any, um, any advice or encouragement for them? Um, restate that issue again. I got the part about being in a small town, but restate that question again for me, if you would. Um, and like any viewers who would want to get involved in such important projects or achieve the success that they don't think they'd be able to achieve. Mm -hmm. advice okay. watching. Yes. My first piece of advice is don't, and I think you've probably heard this before, but my first piece of advice is don't listen to anyone who tries to tell you that your dreams are uh, out of, out of touch or unrealistic, or you need to be more practical. What, you know, I had so many people, so many people, because when I was a very young girl, I wanted to be a writer and I cannot tell you, I had teachers who were very encouraging in terms of telling me they liked my work and, you know, they would use me to write for special school projects and things. But when it came time to go speak with the guidance counselor or talk about career development, there was nobody telling me you should try to be a writer. I mean, it was like, oh, well, maybe you can teach or, you know, maybe you can do this. And then when I decided I wanted to study my my bachelor's degree was in education, but I was in industrial education. I wanted to be a shop teacher. And I had tons of people telling me, you know, that's a job. You know, you're not going to be able to do that job. You need. Well, you know, as it turned out, I decided I didn't really want to do that job, but I was good at it. It wasn't that I couldn't do it. Uh, so then when I started to go, decided I wanted to go into archaeology, I don't need to tell you. Everybody was like, what kind of a job are you going to get with that? If you can separate in your mind the concept of education and career preparation, I strongly encourage you to do that. Education is about learning and preparing yourself to do whatever you want to do. Career prep is what you do to get a specific job. But education is about becoming a learned person. You will never learn anything that won't pay off for you eventually. Everything you learn is valuable. Just the experience of learning it is valuable. So don't ever let anyone make you feel impractical or short-sighted or incapable of doing something that you want to do. And you don't have, I mean, we have reached a point where everybody seems to think that what you do in terms of getting your education has to be a stepping stone toward earning money. And the world is always going to change what it wants people to do to earn money. What you learn to do today to earn money will not be applicable, you know, 10 years down the road. You have to be able to learn how to learn and you have to, you have to become a learned person and then do follow follow your interests 
Or if you get into a bind and you need to do something that you aren't really trained to do, just go ahead and try to do it anyway. That sounds like crazy advice, but I'm telling you, there's no way to prepare yourself for a dedicated and determined and finely outlined future. All you can do is follow your curiosity and develop your skills and, and learn and read and grow. And then you'll be able to, you'll be prepared to learn to do whatever the thing is you have to learn to do when you have to learn to do it. That may not sound like targeted advice, but I guess that's the best advice I can give. I think it sounded really good. I think it was really reassuring, <laughs> like letting you know you can go step by step without worrying too far ahead. So I think it was good. Um, last good. Time, since our podcast is named I Dare You, what is one thing you would like to dare our viewers to do? I think the thing I would like to dare you to do is to consider that the thing that you feel most certain about may not be true. And think about all the things about it that may not be true. Explore the dark corners of that thing that you think is absolutely true. Treat it with some sort of suspicion that maybe this isn't. The hardest thing to do is to move on and to accept that something that you have always thought was absolutely rock solid true may not be because the world is constantly changing and you're constantly changing and things that seem very certain today, uh, you really shouldn't feel the same way 10 years down the road. Because the world's going to be different and so are you. So I'm not saying that nothing is an eternal truth because love is love and generosity is generosity and all of that. But it really pays. I dare you to challenge your firmest beliefs. You know, I'd say that's something you should do on an annual basis. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today. That was really good, a really good suggestion for us. So is there anything else you'd like to say? Well, I will just say this. Um, I'm really glad I had a chance to speak with you. I'm really, I, I am so thrilled about all of the work that you, I know that Amy's groups have done. I'm not, I don't know you guys. I haven't worked directly with you, but I worked with some of uh, the people who were work, some of the students who were working with Amy and there, you guys have consistently always been, made me feel bright and hopeful about the future. And I also want to tell you that um, I miss Indiana. I hope that uh, there are things about all of the cornfields and the farmhouses and the small, sometimes kind of you know, be draggled a bit towns, but there's so many great things about the Midwest. And I hope that you guys can benefit from those and then get over some of the not so great things about the Midwest. Cause we all know every place has its foibles too, but I'm glad that you guys are working with Amy. I hope you, I really hope you all have a bright and beautiful future ahead of you.
Thank you so much for talking to us today. I hope you enjoy the rest of your birthday. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank Thanks <you>. again. <laughs> okay, sorry I couldn't work out the whole Zoom thing. You're okay. You're okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll talk to you next time, maybe. Have fun. Thank you. Uh -huh. Bye. Bye.